When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. Don't forget to use code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and this is the Friday edition of the CHGO Cubs podcast. It is Friday, March 17th. Brendan, under two weeks, and the Chicago Cubs will be at beautiful, historic Wrigley Field playing real, regular season baseball. How do you feel about that? Two weeks. Are you mentally ready to do this? Yeah, I'm ready for it. I, I think are. it's exactly, I, I think I laid this out kind of in the beginning of uh, spring training uh, where you kind of get that like, oh, you know, the boys are back, like we're getting content, they're out in Arizona or Florida, depending on which team you watch. And you kind of have that like, okay, you know, we're nearing the end of winter, uh, football's finishing up, it's it's time for baseball. And then, you know, now we're in this like, I, I, you know, you have the World Baseball Classic going on to kind of like break things up a little bit from like the Cactus League monotony over here, but um, I, I've I've had enough of spring training. I've had enough of. Like, well, you're you're never a spring training guy. Like for you, it's like two games. And you're you're done with it. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like now, I'm <laughs> I'm ready to go. Um, Wait, are you ready? Are you ready to go through that are stress? Ever, are we ever ready, Brendan? No, we're I not. Don't think so. no, no, we're not. I haven't even realized or come to terms with we're that close to doing this you know yeah like after the first game or so then it starts to sink in but man, 162 games of this like uh, yeah. i gotta start prepping i am just done with spring training i think I that's love just spring training. where it is i, I know this. i know you do and I'll, yeah. I'll i'll let you tell us about your visit to mesa recently but um you know like i'm, I'm scrolling through twitter on thursday and i'm i'm reading people discussing Dansby having a really bad spring and I'm just like all right I'm done with this you know like I yeah. I, I can't do this anymore well, you we're discussing we're discussing a, a major veterans like spring training numbers as if it's indicative like I, I I can't do this anymore yeah well I mean I'm looking at what he's wearing so one game he wore high socks the other game he's wearing these like tailored skinny mm-hmm. tight pants that's new He's like he never used to wear toes. those pants yeah he has to keep you on your toes but i don't i don't care about those performances at all and like the right. the comments on that just like mute that like just let that let that go what i do care is seeing guys like pca perform and alcantara and seeing some like the fringe bullpen guys like that to me is the more exciting parts mm-hmm. of actually it is the most exciting part of spring training but also it gives us an idea of what the cubs are thinking in their process going into the year i think that's that's the most fun part about all this yeah i mean and we'll get into it on this episode for sure i mean you know as we get toward the end of uh you know the middle or toward the end it's all kind of the same uh of spring training here and and get ready to break camp and uh, have the Cubs play the Brewers at Wrigley Field at the end of the month here. Um, you know, really the main thing is going to be getting guys healthy or keeping guys healthy and deciding on those last, you know, several decisions on the roster, which, uh, you know, I don't think we have any clear, clearer indication of for a lot of them, uh, you know, but we can keep tabs on the performances as we have and, you know, kind of see if we can have Jed Hoyer or David Ross or anything tip their hands a little bit about where they're going to go with things. But largely, I think, uh, you know, we're still asking a lot of the same questions that we were. I I will say, you know, we do get uh, some good news on Thursday. uh, And that is that, you know, Saya is making progress, uh, started throwing, going to take some dry swings, you know, sort of just start that early process of feeling out what he can do physicality wise then of course seeing how his body responds you know in the next day or the days to come and you know then ramping that process up I 
you know, sort of feel the same uh, about that as I did before, which is basically that I want them to be as cautious as possible, right? Uh, but the fact that we're testing this out and, you know, seeing what he's able to do and stuff like that this early on, I, you know, it, it sounds like we avoided some major disaster. So that's a, a positive step, definitely, I think, on Thursday. Yeah, two weeks seems pretty encouraging. I, there's a couple ways to look at it, right? You can be a little concerned that maybe it's too fast ramping up. Who? Us thinking us? that? No I way, know. Brendan. Not, not, not me, Corey. But that is encouraging, assuming everything's yeah. fine. You did see Patrick Wisdom get reps in right field last week. They're anticipating that he might get some of the bulk action if, say, it's out for a long period of time. But if this is ultimately a few weeks into opening day that he's out, that seems like a pretty big dodged bullet, so to speak. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I, as we discussed when it happened, like if he comes back toward the end of April, let's say, right, which I think if you're looking at the timeline right now, that's maybe like the hope, let's call it. Like yeah, that's so. fine, right? Like when you first hear oblique and you're you're not sure how it's going to play out, you're thinking all sorts of things. You're right? thinking two to three months, right? So I, I, I'm I'm taking this as a positive. Obviously, I'm with you. If you've listened to Brendan and I or followed us on social media for literally any period of time. We have our questions, right, about how they handle some of these things. I'm not a doctor. Brendan is a doctor, but not yeah. this kind of doctor. Right, um, And so I'm, this isn't, you know, me, like, making a claim toward their medical or training staff or even the players. But as a fan on the outside, right, it is very easy to point to a bunch of things over the years that they either rushed didn't address quickly enough, uh, or is some combination thereof, right? Um, I love I love bringing up the Benzobrist wrist thing because it was the most infuriating thing I've ever experienced, right? And then he went on the radio and said that it bothered him, right? While he <laughs> while he was having the worst stretch of his career for like two months, and then they mm. were like, "Yeah, it kind of hurts when I play." Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> did you guys want to like do something about that or no? Yeah. Um, you know, guys coming back too soon, and then five days later, we hear that, yeah, they're going to go get another MRI, and now they are going to hit the injured list, even though they tried to play through it. All the times that Anthony Rizzo sat on the bench for almost as long or longer than a short IL stint, but the Cubs just deliberately played a man down because they didn't want to put him on the IL, You et can cetera, even point cetera, to Kyle right? Hendricks from last year. He had a capsular tear. For how long did he have that? Right. Sure. So uh, again, like I, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not claiming to be. Uh, they know what they're doing. They all know better than I do, right? But the 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 point that I bring all of that up is, please just don't rush this, right? Just take take your time. It's very nice that this is good news and he's getting back out there and feeling good enough to throw and take these swings and all that stuff. But I I I. I would be lying to all of you if I said that there's just a little part of me and obviously a Brendan a that part. is like, please don't be doing this too quickly. Because Honestly, it, it seems too wouldn't fast. Be, it seems well, too fast. I mean, we it don't seems know, too fast. But. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not a medical doctor either or whatever, but like it seems too fast. It's been two weeks, but hopefully everything's yeah. fine. No, hopefully right it's, thing. hopefully that's just really good news. You and yeah. I are conditioned to just think that good things can happen to us, yes. right? I have most told the story, time we're right about that. I've told the story a million times that in Cleveland, when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, World World Series, correct, I was in yes. the upper deck yeah. watching with a, a ton of our fellow Cubs brethren. I did not say anything. I didn't pump my fist. I did not react until the umpire very clearly signaled out. Right, I'm the same way. I had Around me, sure. as soon as Rizzo caught the ball, everybody's freaking out. When Brian's fielding it, people are getting ready to freak out. I am like, hold on, you know, hold on. I need like yeah. word from the official league office. Like, yes, the Cubs are the champions. It's over. There is no possibility that anything is changing this outcome. I'm like so that's just making. How I am. Sh I'm making sure there was no replay back then either, right? Like, I was worried there was going to be, I think, replay at the time. Maybe I, I don't even remember. Yeah. I know my brain just completely 
blacked out at, at that point. But I was the same way. I thought Chris Bryant threw it away. I thought I died, actually, in the moment. I thought All right, well, now we're getting off the rails. But We can do this. The point was that that's just how we're conditioned. This is good news. I'm very glad that this is not some sort of major thing. S- the back of my brain, please just don't be rushing this. Take your time. Don't risk any setbacks because we've seen that movie before with some of these, uh, the way that they've handled some of these things. Um, Moving on to some of, I think, the other roster stuff. Um, We still, you know, it's kind of a constant thing, Brendan. I was looking at, you know, if you're thinking about right field. So again, playing off of that news from, say, a I think like an optimistic timeline is toward the end of April, right? Because you're going to have to do these early steps, make sure he's feeling good through all of these steps, right? Which is usually going to require maybe a day of work, then a day of rest and recovery and, you know, checking in on the progress and building up all that strength. Then you're going to have to get back to seeing live pitching, you know, uh, probably a rehab stint to just sort of get back in the everyday flow of hitting, fielding, seeing live pitching, et cetera, et cetera. So let's call it the end of April, right? It's that that would be wonderful. That would be totally manageable and and wonderful news given the potential that these oblique injuries have. But that still is going to leave you with about a month at least to cover in right field for a position that otherwise you figure say a Suzuki is playing every day, uh, or at least mostly every day. Um, looking at that, and then also how that factors in with third base, you mentioned that we've seen a little bit of Patrick Wisdom in right field. We've obviously seen Nick Madrigal trying his hand Your boy. at third base. Don't say that. Um, you have Christopher Morell who has played all over the place, you know, also getting some reps there. You have guys like Mike Talkman, who's played well throughout the spring. Like you, you look at these, the, the numbers and, you know, I, I was looking at our guy, Ryan Herrera's prediction. He, he has updated this. Remember we told you guys over at allchdo.com, uh, I think a week or two ago, he had his first projection, his prediction. Again, just his opinion and a prediction at this point in spring training, not gospel or anything like that, um, of who makes the roster. And now, as it stands, he's made some changes, but now he's got Patrick Wisdom getting the uh, first shot at third base. Uh, He's got Mike Talkman making the team as an outfielder. Uh, and he's got Madrigal, Rios, and Zach McKinstry all making the squad and kind of leaving it to David Ross to parse all that out, right? Uh, and before I, I ask you your opinion on, on, on that or just how you're feeling uh, some things, so Talkman has to get on the 40-man roster, but he has played well in the spring. He's also got some MLB experience uh, in the past and some past success back in 2019. Uh, Again, all these samples are super small, Brendan, but so far in the spring, of these guys, he's got some of the best numbers, right? Some of these guys don't look that good. Um, Patrick Wisdom also, again, you know, not even 20 at-bats, but good numbers, you know, looks good uh, for Patrick Wisdom. Zach McKinstry does not look good, but is one of those guys who's versatile uh, and the Cubs, uh, no options. He's a lefty, he's out of options, and the Cubs have kept him around. So obviously I think they're intrigued with what they have. So what have you seen from all these guys? Do you have a clearer picture of how you want them to handle this or how you think they're going to handle this? And let's, let's operate under the thought now that on the optimistic side, hopefully it's about a month that you're without, say, a Suzuki. Yeah. The the Talkman decision would be surprising to me. I would understand the idea. And the idea is preserving depth at the early part of the season. Can't get rid of McKinstry. So you kind of have to, if you want to preserve your depth, when I say can't get rid of him, you can't send him down AAA. So you would have to keep him on 40, man. Miles Mastroboni has three options left. You can send him to AAA, preserve that depth if you want. Nelson Velasquez, 
might be your highest ceiling guy in right field with say out, he has options left. What do they do? What do they want to do with him? So I understand the the concept of keeping Talkman. I I don't like it on paper. I don't have a good feel for what he looks like in a small spring sample. I don't like the idea. I like the alternative of of going with your optimal highest ceiling possible, even if that means you lose guys to you know, waivers. If you lose guys because you have to make 40 man decisions that are kind of uncomfortable. I I don't like the idea of trying to preserve depth that by May or June may not even be a problem because that particular player is just so at that time irrelevant to the picture of the season. I I, I don't like this. I like Miles Mastroboni. I think because he has three options, they're going to be way more flexible in his playing time and probably using those options. But I like the concept of what he would provide. And what he provides is a heavy plate discipline approach. Someone who could theoretically walk in double digits for a walk rate and not strike out greater than 20% of the time. I like that while providing mild to moderate power. Maybe if you want to scale this to like a 600 plate appearance sample, you know, he has 10, 15 homer potential uh, and he's had success with Tampa, granted in the minors. I like that idea a little bit more while giving wisdom some time in right field. Now the the, the other way to look at this is, well, Wisdom's defense in right field is not the best. Hawkman's a natural outfielder. You do give the Cubs more defensive versatility by mm-hmm. having Hawkman in the outfield. I understand that. But on paper, without understanding the fine details of what he has maybe changed, I don't like the idea. Uh, I understand it, though, given some of the shortcomings from a defensive point of view and from the depth perspective. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is you know, going on four years ago now with the Yankees, but I would assume, like you mentioned, that Talkman is actually an outfielder, unlike Patrick Wisdom. Um, and in some, you know, in years where he's gotten a lot of playing time there, has rated well defensively there, um, you know, at least okay, right? Well, it's hard because the sample, like you said, is so small. Sure. But, you know, again, I mean, as opposed to throwing other guys out there who this has not been their regular position, right? And in 2019, that's when we're going back to, um, you know, 128 WRC plus in 296 plate appearances. I'm not advocating as though that is what is going to happen. Obviously, that is a few years removed now. uh, But, having a good spring. The Cubs brought him in. They have an outfield need, and maybe they're hoping that they can figure out a way to replicate that production for a short period of time. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the know. last the, the last uh, two years, he didn't play last year, by the way. So in 2021, he had a Woba of 260 yeah. in 190 plate appearances yes, across right. two teams. So it's like what, and maybe that's where there's this huge gap that seems so weird. Maybe that's the extreme that signals that he may have changed something that mm-hmm. is meaningful to get him, I guess, in that in that tier of that 2019 production. Right. That's definitely possible too. Well, and it would it it's probably not how you want to uh, build a roster. If we're sitting no. here going, okay, Brendan, if Mike Talkman performs like he did in 2019, <laughs> and Cody Bellinger performs like he did in 2019, and Eric Hosmer performs like he did seven years ago, and Trey Mancini four years ago, then the Cubs are going to be really good. Well, that's what it in is. the present day, the 2023 <laughs> Cubs. Right? Yeah. Is yeah. that is that how this works? Yeah. If we can just pick and choose performances from several years ago for each of these guys, we really got something going Give here. me Cody uh, Bellinger, <laughs> MVP season. Right. Give me David Bodie's 2018, and we're right. good to go. Yeah, perfect. There you yeah. go. We just solved the problem. You just there go on fan graphs, you pick the season you want, and plug it in. Yeah. Um, I I will say, and, and I'll—, I'll lead with this now, and then I I suppose we can continue this conversation after the break. Um, I am fascinated by what, we've talked about this before, but I continue to be fascinated by what they're going to end up doing with Christopher Morrell, right? It seems weird. How they're using, the the idea with him seems weird right now. I don't quite understand. Yeah, and you know, we've talked about this a lot, right? Um, Last year, David Ross talked about 
him being a, a really valuable utility man and the value of being able to play so many positions, the type of athlete he is, etc. Um, but when you read the tea leaves, our guy Ryan Herrera included, and I know I think Tony Andraki wrote about this over at Marquee uh, maybe a week or two ago doing his kind of roster or excuse me, in an interview on the score, just kind of wondering if Christopher Morrell would break camp in AAA, right? And I, I, you and I have both expressed our opinion on that as a general concept. But I will note, right, as we go through spring training here, um, his number certainly not the worst amongst these guys. And we're not just looking at like his spring training batting average or something like that. That's not really what's important. What I do wonder if the Cubs are going to look at, though, Brendan, and again, my opinion aside, 16 strikeouts, 32 at-bats. He's walked three times. That's a lot of strikeouts. And that is what I think an area of focus was going to be for him. So you and I have obviously made the argument that a 23-year-old with that kind of power, that kind of speed, that kind of arm, that kind of versatility, and you look at some of these metrics about how guys are barreling the ball, right, and just absolutely hitting the piss out of the ball, and Christopher Morrell is one of those guys— I don't really love the idea. I would like to see him figure it out at the major league level because I think he offers the Cubs by a mile the best ceiling. But I do wonder if they're going to look at that, you know, really high K rate and say, hey, we've got these other guys. Some are out of options. Some we want to see what they can do, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe he's best served seeing AAA pitching every day. Yeah, maybe that's what they do. I, with Nick Madrigal getting so much time at third base, it is sucking out opportunities in spring for Morrell to, yeah. to play third base. My hope was Morrell would take third base. We talked about this a few right. months ago. The hope was he would come in the spring, he would change his arm uh, uh, throwing motion that's more conducive to infield. He has an elongated throwing motion that was best in the outfield last year. When he went to the infield, he had problems with his arm accuracy despite having like 90th percentile uh, arm strength. The, the arm motion looks exactly the same as last year. So I think with Morrell, third base on a day-to-day basis from the start may not be feasible unless something crazy happens in the next two weeks. So if he's not going to get the majority of playing time at third base, then the the conversation shifts to, okay, similar to how we're talking about depth, what is the best path forward for the Cubs to start the season? Is it playing Nick Madrigal at third base while giving Morrell time to adjust to infield defense in Iowa at third base, giving more innings that way? I don't know the answer to that. It does appear that Madrigal is a priority over Morrell at third base, not in terms of just defensive versatility or roster spot, who knows, but at third base, it appears as if Magical is one notch above in the depth chart on David Ross's uh, radar. Which is, uh, listen, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I, no, I'm being honest. Like, I, let's, be, let's be honest. Bits sure. aside, that's a joke. It's it's a total joke. It's, um, but, it is a, yeah. but I will say, right, like, I, I, this is, I, as always, right, I am trying to think of things through the lens of people who actually make the decisions, right? Not my own opinion. I, I, I would guess that they feel Christopher Morell is 23. He's still raw in some areas and they have time to prioritize his development and however that looks and work on the things they want him to work on, if that's the decision they make. Whereas with Madrigal, they probably view this, if they can shoehorn it in at third base, as kind of the, you know, this either works now or yeah. we don't really have time to deal with this anymore, right? Does that make sense? It makes sense. I think that's the direction from day one. Now, we can look back at this come July and August and play, you know, Monday morning quarterback, if this was the right way to go about it. 
I, I don't I don't like that concept. Like I I think neither do I. I yeah. Again, that's not my choice. It's so just what I think they're thinking. Here's here's if they here, do that though. Again, like you could be looking at something very likely where Patrick Wisdom is getting the lion's share of the starts at third base, and sure. we see Trey Mancini and right, Mike Talkman and right. You know, something like that. And and Madrigal is spelling these. It doesn't guys feel that eventual. way though, right? It just doesn't feel that way. It, it at feels this like they want that to work more at third yeah. base. Yes. And if you look at the Cubs' projections right now, like one way, one way that I think about it is they're projected around 80 wins. They need a hit on those top tier projections. They need to like get the extremes. And mm-hmm. to me, you risk it. You just get you just put the team out that gives you the highest potential. Because sure. if you play this like middle ground projection game, which is what Nick Madrigal and some of these other guys are, my concern is it's not going to be enough. Like right. to me, if you put if you put Morrell at third base or whatever, and you give, you know, Patrick Wisdom more flexibility to shift around, Morrell's top tier projection is well above uh Patrick Wisdom's. As a result, if he hits that, then your win curve starts to skew towards the positive end. And yeah. that's that's where I think the Cubs are going to make the playoffs this year. You have to hit on those extremes. This right. to me is like not extreme enough. I, and again, so, and we'll, we'll do our first ad break here, but I am wondering if Christopher Morrell having, you know, nearly a 50% K rate, right, in the spring right now, for as much as we don't want to put too much in spring numbers, is going to be something where they go, look, he's got to get that ironed out. It was one of the big problems last year when his numbers started to go down and something he needed to adjust to. And if this is the only sample that they have, maybe that's something that is, you know, a little worrisome. Yeah, I don't like that. I think that I think that's a stupid concept. Like, I, I think that's just stupid. Like, I, Listen, man, I'm trying to think through why... <laughs> why we're having this conversation at all, Brendan, you know what I mean? For I mean, all yeah. the variables that go into a 30-plate approach sample in spring training. Like, you haven't played baseball in a few, in Absolutely. A few months. Trust me, Different. I know. It's in the... Morel is a, such a good energy guy, like, good vibe guy. Like, I would not be surprised. He sees Wrigley, mindset shifts, and he goes off. That's right. just kind of the guy yeah, he is. absolutely. I, I, don't, I don't like that. All right, so I, let me give I the ad break. Yeah, before I, we, I don't we, like it either. I mean, and look, like, before before you do the ad break, like, I, yeah. it, it has developed into a thing. Like, when we do the shows with, uh, you know, Luke and Cody and Ryan, and it's, I, 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 don't ha- I don't take issue with it, right? But, like, I don't hate Nick Madrigal. I, I just don't—it just feels like we're expelling a lot of energy— in something that I just don't think the the outcome is worth it, right? Like, and and I think when we're discussing earnestly, like how that relates to a 23 year old prospect who just has really, really high potential, like you said, Brendan, like I just don't like it. Yeah. Um, well, what's what's like so. Before I do the, I will do the ad break here, but I just want to stay on this point for, for one <laughs> we're, we're really teasing that ad break. <laughs> but, but with Nick Madrigal specifically, what is... Because you're right. We kind of make fun of you for it. I know you don't believe this or whatever. Like, what is the devil's advocate uh, argument that Nick Magical should get this opportunity at third base, in your opinion? Well, I mean, I I think that, uh, you know, people are going to say that he is a former first-round pick, that a lot of people and evaluators and scouts liked his ability and the ability of that bat. And, you know, in periods, obviously it's limited because he's been hurt, which as I always say is not the fault of the player. Like that just happens. Some guys are more or less fortunate with things like that that happen to them and the timing of it all. Um, you know, but in limited time with the White Sox, he had, you know, a couple samples. Uh, you know, I think it's like 300. 20 I'm looking at it 326 plate appearances with 24. the White Sox over 2020 and 2021 110 WRC plus 112 WRC plus in those two years and you know for an organization that has been starved for contact bats if he were able to do that and continue to develop and look like the guy that the White Sox drafted in the first round uh back in 2018 at, at pick number four that's worth spending some time and energy to see if you can make it work. And I, I, I'm i not sitting here suggesting that that's insane or people are stupid for thinking that, but, you know, we all have to make decisions on whether we 
believe something is going to happen or or not, right? Like we, we do this all the time. We pick free agents we want to sign because we think they're going to be good or guys we do or don't want to trade for various reasons. I just don't see this. I, I, I just am not a believer in this working out the way that you would want it to. Um, so that's just how I feel. I now, again, as we've said, though, like I think if you're looking at wisdom getting the third base spot I even if it is wisdom I still feel the same about Morel that's sort of why I say that about like this isn't really even about Nick Madrigal right like I would rather it be Christopher Morel than Patrick Wisdom I would rather Patrick Wisdom be spelling Christopher Morel at third base or you know Trey Mancini in right field or Mike Talkman in right field whoever it is or DHing right and letting the 23 year old Morel plant his feet at third base and get really good at it. That's what yeah. I think, as you said, offers the Cubs the potential to, one, unlock a really, really talented young player that they would be able to keep in their fold for years to come and get towards those higher win projections. I agree. I, I'm just I'm surprised that his arm motion still looks like that. I, I thought it was such an obvious issue last year. I thought in their exit meetings that this would be addressed in the offseason. Now, change in throw motion can be very difficult. I get it. But I think that's the driving reason for this because his defense not, is not a lock there. Sure. Yeah. And neither is, neither is Madrigal's either. But it's just not. But I mean, you know, as, as far as we know, to Madrigal's credit, you know, like it, it's not like we're getting reports that he's airmailing throws or, you know, looks horrible over there, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I think that's what it is. I think. Yeah, like, I mean, is... you know, that's that's where we stand, right? You know, and it all goes back to the same thing where it's like, you don't want to put too much stock in spring training, but this is the information that the the group is going to work with, right? Yeah. Yep. All right, I'm going to do that ad break now. First ad break from DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. You can download the app. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code CHGO. You can also use DraftKings to bet baseball starting in two weeks. March Madness right now, Corey, if you want to go crazy with all these games, uh, we know Cody is for sure. And again, use that code CHGO when you sign up. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Second break here from our sponsor, Goose Island. CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company, which has been Chicago's beer since 1988. They have a very deep beer roster. They have the Blackhawks Pale Ale. They also do lots of charity work together. They've been doing charity work uh, over the last... 10 years now. There's also the Bulls City 312. It's a limited release. It matches their 2022-2023 City Edition uniforms. They have the classic 312 Wheat Ale, the Bourbon County Stout, the Beer Hug IPA Series, the Green Line, the Matilda. So many options, so many different favorites by other people. My favorite again is that 312 Wheat Ale. Goose Island also has two locations that are open and ready to welcome you. You can grab a beer right from their innovation tanks at the Goose Island uh, Tap Room at 100 West Fulton, or get a smash burger and a fresh beer of the week at the original Clybourne Brewhouse at 100 North Clybourne. For reservations and pickup, go to gooseisland.com slash locations. That's Goose, Goose Island Beer Company. All right, Brendan. Uh, so... Wanted to get your thoughts on what we saw from Caleb Killian on Wednesday. Um, talked about him, you know, a, a little bit throughout the spring, but, you know, you and I uh, and friend of the podcast, Ryan Tomier, were talking over text just about how, you know, interesting it is, how just not like super talked about he is, right? Just given uh, the command problems, and I don't want to call it the fall from grace because that sounds very dramatic, but I think, you know, we did kind of have a bit of a roller coaster of being like 
exponentially excited about him for a minute and then like oh shoot like these are some massive issues that he has to work through so curious uh, you know your thoughts on on the it ended up getting canceled uh yeah. the game on Wednesday with with the rain but it did happen in real life um and you know just like we we talk about so many of these options right and at the moment it's clear he he's got some stuff to prove right he's he's not going to break camp on the MLB roster he's not an option for that fifth starter spot uh to break camp right but were he able to kind of dial some things back in, just how that kind of affects the discussions that we've already had about some of this pitching depth, both in the rotation and in the bullpen? Yeah, Killian is someone, I think falling from grace is dramatic, but he was the guy from a pitching perspective in the system last year. When he debuted, it was a tangible energy at Wrigley Field. You talked about it. It was obvious. So it it is kind of like a fall from that prospect hypeless and he is an afterthought that you see from many fans that you talk to and honestly he's kind of like an afterthought in my mind as well he's a death piece he could be important but I was really concerned with what I saw last year and I think there's objective reason to have been concerned he was someone in 2021 in 15 innings with the Cubs in double a and 63 innings with San Fran in double a that had a walk rate of under two batters per game, and his strikeout rate was over nine batters per game in a total sum of almost 80 innings. That was really impressive. We saw what he did in the Arizona Fall League going into 2022, and the velocity was there. He's working on a new curveball grip. The changeup was something he was talking about. So I'm thinking, going into last year, oh my God, he's adding these pitches. His command obviously is not going to suffer that much because he's innately a heavy command guy, that's exactly what happened. It suffered crazily. So he had a walk rate with the Cubs in AAA of five batters per inning per game last year. So in 162 innings, he was walking five guys per game, essentially. With the Cubs at the big league level in 11 innings, his walk rate was almost 10 batters a game. He was almost walking one guy every inning. That is a problem. And he was talking about those mechanical issues to Ryan and specifically talking about how maybe they found something in their exit uh, interviews that he was working on throughout the offseason. And that thing they found was his landing point with his left foot that kind of caused him to fly open. So when you watch him pitch, which was kind of kind of noticeable, you really have to like compare video from last year, but you can notice how he was staying behind the ball. And again, that's probably just so he doesn't like fly open and can keep that type of heavy command. But ultimately, it's not just about command with him. If he gets his command back, then maybe he's a back of the end, back end rotation guy, but he still needs to improve that secondary stuff. Like his best pitch is that cutter. It grades above average by stuff creators uh, in terms of like spin rate and horizontal movement and separation from his fastball. It's good, but that's kind of all he has right now. Four seam fastball is not the best. He has a two seamer with some seam shift to the wake that might play up for the Cubs guys who do throw sinkers going up and in, but changeup is not there. Curveball is not quite there. So he has a lot of room to grow. It seems like a lot of what ifs that have piled on. And even if his command wasn't a train wreck last year, and that's again, that's not hyperbole, I, I would be concerned that his stuff is not quite up to par to be in the same conversation as Hayden Wesneski and all the other guys we're even talking about. Like I would even give I would give Keenan Thompson way more stars than Killian at this point. But he is looking better in his you know very brief appearances. He does seem confident that the mechanical issues are being fixed, and he also seems confident that his changeup is a pitch he can rely on. So is it possible that? By May, we're talking about him in the same type of conversations we were having in April of last year. Yeah, it's absolutely possible. I hope that all these what-ifs we're talking about are what-ifs in a month, and he does get back to that point. But it is just a lot to hope he solves and figures out. Yeah, uh, that's that's fair. Um but, you know, again, you know, good to see him kind of working through stuff. And I think at a minimum, just good to see him 
working through those outings, you know, like you were saying, and, and trying to identify some of the stuff mechanically, as opposed to some of those outings that we saw at the MLB level, or even when he was sent back down, where it was, you know, just the command was so many, you know, non-competitive misses, right? Um, where the the pitch is never a strike, right? Yeah. Um, and and that that is obviously, you know, not something you can work with. I mean, I feel more excited about Javier Assad than sure. Killian at this point. Yeah. I mean, you saw what Assad was doing for I, uh, Team I Mexico, did. right? Yes. I mean, throwing 97 up and in, like, where did that come from? Yeah. He was sitting like I, That was one of those things year. where I, I had to text you. Uh, I, I don't always remember these things. And I was like, Brendan, did he always throw 97 <laughs> miles an hour? I don't, I don't think the so, right? The answer is no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no. That's funny. Yeah. So that is exciting. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think it's fair to, at least at the moment, be be more excited about those developments. Uh, on Thursday, we also saw a better outing from Drew Smiley. Uh, hadn't been a good start to his spring. Did get dinged for a home run. Uh, gave up two earned runs and four and a third, uh, but struck out four. And I think, you know, he's one of those guys where he's a veteran. And as he goes through the spring, getting his work in, He's one of those guys who, you know, like every, like all pitchers, he's going to start to really dial in on his actual pitch mix, right? Um, and how he wants to approach real MLB starts during the season. And I think uh, this was at least the start, hopefully, where you kind of start to see more, you know, call it Drew Smiley esque results, right? Um, as opposed to some of the struggles that he had earlier in the spring. Uh, but, you know, I, I was in studio with Luke and Cody and Ryan the other day, and, you know, we kind of talked about how uh, Drew Smiley is one of those guys that I think Jed Hoyer liked his performance last year and liked the contract he was able to get him on because if you have Hayden Wisniewski and Javier Assad and let's just use the example we were talking about. Caleb Killian has fixed his command issues. He's blowing guys away as a starter in AAA. You don't have to prioritize Drew Smiley if you don't want to, right? You didn't give him some huge contract. You're not uh, looking at him to be the anchor of your rotation for the next 10 years. If he gets pushed out, he gets pushed out, right? It's fine. It's, it's, as I was discussing the other day, almost what the design of signing guys to those shorter term, you know, less, uh, you know, payroll explosive contracts is for is that you're developing these guys and you don't want to be locked into certain things. Um, beyond that, uh, I, I do want to, if you're listening to this on Friday morning, on Friday afternoon, uh, the aforementioned Hayden Wisniewski goes again against the Dodgers. And since you and I last spoke on March 11th, Brendan Hayden did throw again. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before. It was four electric innings from your boy Hayden Wisniewski. Yes. Four innings, no hits, no runs, no walks, and four strikeouts. And he does all of this on twenty pitches. It yeah, a lot of spring training especially when a decent portion of the roster is kind of figured out, right, Um, or set. You know, we know certain guys are going to get opportunities on this team. We know the catching tandem. We know the middle infield tandem. We know Ian Happ in left field. We know Cody Bellinger in center, right? Um, We're going to end up talking about a lot of the same stuff. We're going to end up updating on stuff. So where I want to update on is – you and I were having the discussion, I think, the last episode, and this is pretty constantly the discussion amongst Cubs podcasts, Cubs Twitter, Cubs writers. Have you moved further into, okay, forget it, just it's Hayden in the fifth spot to start the year. We liked Adrian Sampson last year, but I've seen enough. Or are you still kind of thinking about managing innings or, or where where are you now and how many more times does he have to go out and, you know, just blow hitters away before we just get to that point? I, I never, I've never changed my opinion on this. I've always wanted to hate it in that fifth spot, even from ending last season. He deserves the fifth spot. I was, I still am fine. If they go with Samson to start the season, sure, that's, that's fine. I understand the, the thinking process. I don't, necessarily agree with it i don't think it's like gonna tip the Cubs season to the the negative but i just think with hayden in the fifth spot 
he has the opportunity to do what Justice Steele did last year. And that's just take hold of that role and you never look back. And the question doesn't become, okay, how do we like mix in Hayden and Samson and Assad in the fifth spot? The question then becomes, I need Hayden in that spot every fifth day. How do I protect him for the playoffs? <laughs> like that's what the conversation I want to be having come June, July, and August. Sure. I think he gives him the, the the best chance. Samson has not looked good. Gave him more home runs than his last start. I get that. Um, I'm still not putting that much stock into that. I just think in in general going into the off season, going through spring training now, it's never been a a. a a change of mind, a change of heart for me. Like Hayden Wisniewski is the guy. I think with his personality, you give him a, a shot like this, similar to how we talk about Nico and maybe him batting leadoff changes his plate approach. You never know what a boost of confidence does or a challenge does to a player and their ability to change and adapt in that role. I think with Wisniewski, if you give him the shot to start every fifth day, I'm curious what that looks like, what yeah. that does to change his entire process. And I think the Cubs could stand to benefit both in the short term and in the long run by saying, you know what, we are going to risk it a little bit, maybe with some of the depth, but we're going to do it anyway because this gives the Cubs the best chance to win now and perhaps even in the future by giving him the ability to adjust. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I mean, again, I get it. We've talked about all the nuance, like whatever they want to do. Um, I think you can figure it out. But as you and I have have discussed, like you, you got to hit the ground running with this team um, and start racking up wins early to avoid another deadline where you're thinking about who you're selling and what you're getting for them and and things like that. And he just looks so good. Um, and I I want to see it. I want to reward him for it. Um, and like you said, there's some things you might have to figure out during the season and um, worry about, but fine, we'll we'll deal with it later. That's why they pay an entire coaching staff and front office of people to figure this yeah. stuff out. The guy looks good. He's really talented. I, you know, you know, he wants it bad, right? He's got the attitude for it. I, I want to see it. He gives the Cubs the best chance to win every fifth day, and I think that that's the way that it yeah. should go. Well, I just want to like, I, it's not because of what Samson's doing this spring either. Like, sure, like that's fair too. Yeah, and and yeah. he'll still factor into the Cubs pitching depth and pitching plans, I think one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, of course he is. And that's part of the reason why I also want to give Hayden a chance because you know, like Samson's not going anywhere. So if, if the conversation within the actual team is okay if we give Hayden the the chance to start now does that mean you know that Samson's not going to be able to stretch out you know in a in a appropriate period of time to start maybe that's the conversation too I don't know maybe Samson can't get elongated uh to start like every you know three weeks I don't know what the discussion is and maybe that's something that's only discussed internally by them but from an outsider looking in who gets more whiffs Hayden who has a higher potential it's it's Hayden and from a outs perspective, he has the best chance to give the Cubs the most outs. It's a it's a it's a no brainer, I think. All right. So another break here from our sponsor, Game Time. Game Time is the hottest and new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you've ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, the 50-yard line, courtside behind home plate to watch Hayden Wisniewski throw at Wrigley Field is now possible with the Game Time app. The, be- the biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. You won't find a better deal this season on Cubs games coming up. This app is created by the fans for the fans, so you know it guarantees the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you will love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description of this episode, you can join over 15 million people who've downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Second break here from our sponsor, Foco Chicago. You've already got the best coverage for your favorite sports teams who have fitted out in the best sports gear around. Foco has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like Damar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles. Looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? Foco has you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out Foco.com or click the link in the description below. For all non-presale items, use the code CHGO for 10% off. 
All right, Brendan, to finish things up, you know, we've talked about the bullpen a lot, talked about some of these guys uh, when I was in the studio the other day with the boys. Uh, but one thing, you know, we saw him again on Thursday. Uh, Michael Fulmer is going to be the closer on this team, at least to start. I think are we all kind of comfortable with saying that? He's got six innings under his belt this spring, six strikeouts. He hasn't given up a run, just looks good. Uh, stuff looks good. He's going to get that first shot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I mean, I, I'm not fine with it come August and September just because he's not going to get those strikeouts that I think are necessary for a fireman type role. I think from the start, yeah, he makes sense. Maybe Estrada needs more time to work on things. Maybe Estrada just needs time to get acclimated to the major league routine and not be thrown into that fire right away. I Whatever their process is, I'm fine with Fulmer getting the first shot. But my hope is come June, July, either through a trade or through Estrada or some other bullpen guy coming up, that they take hold of that job. Fulmer's good as he is. Like he, He's worth the money. He keeps the Cubs in that luxury tax room for a trade at the deadline. But with him, having a strikeout rate that's basically below league average for a late inning guy is just going to leave me uncomfortable. I think mm-hmm. from a 7th inning, 8th inning guy, in certain uh, scenarios, he's he's the guy to throw out there. But I'm imagining a situation where you know, you're facing, let's say, the, the St. Louis Cardinals, right? And they're going through the Arenado and the Goldschmidt heart of the order. I'm worried that he's not going to miss those bats. And he gives the Cubs the the lowest chance of... of nonsense and BS happening because he doesn't get those whiffs. On the other hand, if you have someone like Estrada who has that 80 grade potential fastball with that slider, to me, he is going to give the Cubs more chances to get out of those types of quality hitters that the Cardinals have in the middle of the order by just missing bats. And I think from a a fireman late inning standpoint, that's what you want. You don't want someone who's going to have a more of a heavier contact approach because that's how you get, I always use the example, that's how you get like, you know, the Luis Gonzalez's blue pits to win the World Series. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be on the other side of that. Right. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think this is fine for now. And I think as we talked about, there's so many intriguing options um, with within the Cubs system and you know even some of the guys that we've seen um, you know, at the major league level that I, I don't want to call Boxberger and, and Fulmer placeholders, but I think that's the ideal scenario, right? Like you let these kind of established veterans get that first shot, especially as long as they look good, look like themselves, look like guys that have been there, done that before. And then you're waiting for these other guys to show you what they have and and be more ready to come up or be more ready to be thrust into higher leverage spots or the top high leverage spots. Um, You know, and there's so many guys for that, right? Like, you know, we've talked obviously about Brandon Hughes, who's someone who's going to get, you know, probably third in the pecking order once things finish up in the spring here. Um, You know, you have guys like Cam Sanders, who we saw in the spring. Um, I I was reading, uh, you know, a a really great piece from Brian Smith, friend of the podcast over at BleacherNation.com. He was talking about uh, Daniel Palencia, the 22-year-old, and in his piece, Brian says that, you know, he was told that if the Cubs were competitive in 2022, they would have considered promoting him all the way from A-ball to the big leagues uh, because they are so confident in that fastball, uh, which is, you know, if you've seen him pitch, it's it's incredible, right? Uh, He can sit 98 to 100. um, Yeah. And, you know, it, it, that's that's not necessarily meaning that Palencia is the top name that you're, you're looking at here, but it's just an example. Cubs have some guys in this system who have velocity, who have some really strong breaking pitches. And if you're using some of these veterans as just kind of a, hey, let's start the season, let's get the, the kind of early... Uh, you know, games out of the way and, you know, get everybody comfortable. And then maybe if the Cubs are competitive by the deadline or as we work towards the end of the season here, hopefully you have, as you're talking about, maybe some more electric stuff uh, that David Ross is able to utilize in those high leverage spots. But I think as long as as those two veterans look good and like themselves uh, to start the year, I think it makes all the sense in the world to kind of start things safe 
And, you know, again, like we've talked so much about how this is going to be an interesting year for David Ross. He's going to have to be quick with a hook if it's necessary, right? Which I and think that he goes, will. That goes the same way for the younger guys, right? Just because some of these guys, ha- guys have exciting stuff and, uh, you know, have gotten results at certain points, if it ain't working, you know, you have to be quick about it, right? It, it works both ways for young guys. You want to be patient, but if you're trying to win games and you are in a competitive situation where you are competing for either the division or let's say what I expect to be a very competitive last couple spots in the National League playoff uh, race, David Ross and Tommy Hanavi are going to have to be smart about who they're trusting and when. I, I, I do think when we're talking about the closer situation and playing it safe, part part of me, like that conflicts with a lot of what we want the Cubs to do with like Morel, right? Like maybe be a little bit more aggressive and giving the Cubs the highest extreme potential in that way. Do you think it's a mistake then to kind of do the same thing from the bullpen? Like let's say if you look at Fulmer and you look at the other options, Jeremiah Estrada, let's use that as the extreme example. If you want to hit on all the margins and give the Cubs the best potential chance to make the playoffs. Does it not make more sense in your mind to just go with the Strata from day one and say, screw it? Oh man, I don't you know. You know what I'm trying to say? Like yeah, that, no, I, I, I do. I do. I, do. I mean like for, so the, the, the alternative, like the argument against that, right. Is like Estrada is still so young that maybe he's just not capable of handling that type of role from day one. Like that, that would be the argument to not, do it but clearly he has the stuff to do it so then the question is if he fails what is that going to do to his psyche and maybe that's something they don't want to risk but yeah like, he I, has his stuff yeah no i i i think that's fair i i don't know man this is it's uh these are tough decisions I, yeah I mean, so for and me again, just, just do it just do it like like not say screw it or whatever but like if they, if he if they think he has the, the mindset to do it like, let's go. I think like he that has overall, stuff. right, and I think kind of what you're getting at is that there is definitely an approach to this Cub season that involves sort of asking the question of, like, who gives us the most potential for this team to hit their highest possible win total, yeah. right? It's not, say, it's not even saying who gives the chance for the Cubs to hit their, like, average projection. Like, right. you can go the other direction. But yes. if you hit your average it, projection, you're not making the playoffs. Right. It, 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 it raises a question of, is there a group that might be volatile as heck, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. they could win 90 games. They could win less than last year, right? Because it's that volatile. They're, they're young. They're raw, et cetera. But is the value in trying to to do that better than, you know, trusting some of these veterans who you're kind of hoping to get average-ish, et cetera, type performance out of? It's, I, I think ultimately where we land is the Cubs say yes and no on some of them, right? And you yeah. get kind of a blend, and it, it sort of depends how some of these guys play. But I, there, there is certainly an argument to be made for being as aggressive as possible yeah. with the roster as opposed to being as safe as possible. But So like what you would said, you do? Well, as a fan, what would you want? Like the former Estratus, let's use that as the example. Which one, which one would you pick from day one? I, 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 I think you, and you may end up being right, uh, I, you're a little more concerned with the lack of miss from Fulmer than I am, at least initially. Right, um, I'm 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 fine with them starting with that, and if it's not working, pulling the plug. But I I really don't mind the idea of giving him that shot at at first. Do you think he's going to be the guy come August? If the Cubs are competitive, yeah. probably not. Then, like, what are we doing here? Well. I mean, I, I I think it's it's also how confident are you that you you thrust Jeremiah Estrada into the highest leverage innings to start the season that he's going to be it. able to succeed in that. He's 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 because he by the same the by the same logic that that we're using here, like if he has any growing pains and you're losing some of those early games, like I do, do you want to talk about the 2019? It Cubs doesn't and matter. How that season started, but like if when I say it doesn't matter, like if Fulmer hits his projection. And the other guys hit their projections too. It, they're they're going to be at the cusp of a playoff spot. Sure, it's not a sure thing. If Estrada 
if his fastball is a 70 on the 80 scale, which has every reason to continue, then that changes that fringe error and it boosts the Cubs perhaps from you know, an 82 win team to an 84, 85 uh, yeah, win team. Yeah, hey, I, you know? I get it. And it, right, like he may, he may not do well and he may succumb to the pressure of being a young guy in a high leverage spot and they may lose the games and they may miss the playoffs as a result of it. But it's just a matter of what you're willing to risk because there's so much uncertainty to begin with, um, you know? And I'm kind of curious, like they've been so cautious with some prospects in years past, especially on the pitching side, that I'm kind of, anxious to see a different strategy play out and i think this is a challenge i think it would be uh, a little anxious for the player perhaps but something that if he's the closer of the future this is a challenge that he would have to pass yeah hey i i i think that's fair um it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I, I expect that the veterans get the first shot. I, I I really don't think that there's much of a chance that that's not how this goes. Uh, how long that lasts, how quick the hook is, and you know how soon the Cubs get into, you know, kind of dipping into this super interesting pool of arms that they have. We'll see. Uh, but you know that's the kind of season that you know this team is going to have, right? So uh, there is a lot to monitor, a lot to watch, and uh, we are a couple weeks away from yeah. getting some clarity on some of these answers. Uh, but until then, I think that's what we have for you this week. Uh, back with the live shows on the CHGO Sports YouTube channel at one twenty on Monday. Uh, and Brendan and I will be back with you next Friday. Don't forget to use that code CHGO when you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook uh, under a couple weeks, and we will be back at beautiful, historic Wrigley Field. Brendan, I can smell those caramelized onions <laughs> I know at Wrigley Field. Every so time bad. I walk by, it's like I can smell them. It's like they're grilling them right now for me. I know. Just for, just for Two you. Two weeks in you. advance. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Yes. Uh, looking forward to the baseball season. Uh, if you are enjoying the World Baseball Classic, hope you continue to enjoy that. Uh, and Brendan and I will be back with you again in a week. As always, we appreciate your support for everything going on at CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. We will talk to you again soon. And as always, go Cubs.